grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our verses for consideration today, John chapter 12, verses 12 to 13. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. My grandparents on Laura's side, uh, my grandparents are actually all unfortunately gone, but on Laura's side would take us to family trips to San Diego. They would rent a a cabin or a a house uh, not too far from the beach, and we would spend about three or four days there, and it would just be three or four days of nothing but sitting on the beach and swimming and sun tanning and all those things that I just love to do. You know me. Um, but I did do some swimming out in the ocean for the first time. Every time I'd ever gone to the ocean, it just wasn't time or it was the worst time of year. You know, I was out in the Atlantic uh, up by Boston uh, in this, uh, I think it was February. So obviously I put my feet in the water for a second, but it's not a time to go swimming in the ocean, or there just was never enough time to go swimming. This is the first in my life I had ever actually spent like a whole day just swimming in the ocean. We had some body boards, and we were kind of, you know, body surfing the waves and things like that. Well, what happened was, is uh, you probably experienced this yourself. There was a big wave, and it went over me, and it scared me a good deal. And then, if you've never experienced this yourself, those of you maybe who have, there is an undertow. Those big waves, they'll, they'll, they'll knock you down against the sand, and then they'll pull you out, out into the ocean. And, and I, as a landlubber, as a, as a you know, farm kid, swimming in ponds and lakes my whole life, had never experienced this kind of thing, and it was frankly terrifying. I kicked as hard as I could. I swam as hard as I could. I, I had ex- pretty much exhausted myself, and I finally got up to a shallow enough point where I could reach the bottom, and then from that point on, the whole rest of the week, I never got it any deeper than this. I wasn't going to take any chances, you know. Uh, fool me once, ocean, shame on you. Fool me twice, ocean, shame on me. Uh, this farm boy is going to stick to land for the rest of his life. Land and lakes, uh, not nearly the waves or the undertow to deal with. You know, I had hoped last summer when things started to open up more and more, that we would kind of move past the pandemic and get back to normal life, uh, if there ever was such a thing, whatever that is. But it didn't serve to be true, did it? Because as soon as the wave started to recede, others came in its place at wave-like intervals. Inflation, then a war, and now the possibility of famine and drought is kind of especially for us in South Dakota, droughts out there on the horizon. Uh, it's, a, it's a worry for sure. I guess I thought of this sermon because it felt like these past few years, the breakers just keep coming. And the undertow seems to be getting stronger. Just because the pandemic regulations have eased doesn't mean that the scars have faded, right? Uh, you might have gone through things during that time that Everything kind of goes back to normal, except you're not back to normal. Yeah? The mental anguish, the strain that was caused by shuttered businesses, 
loss of family and friends. I had a couple of pastors who they were living in areas where they, they couldn't even get in to, to be with people who were dying. Neither could the families. And so the families went through a lot of pain. It hurt that they couldn't be in person. They couldn't hold their, their mother or their father's hands as they passed away. You know, and, and I think overall, I don't know if we'll ever really truly know how much being isolated like we were for so long has affected us until maybe we're 30 or 40 years down the road and be able to kind of look at studies and evidence and know just exactly how badly it did affect us. But even beyond the pandemic, right? I mean, that's just the thing that's kind of on the back of our memory. The grind of the daily march towards progressivism away from our biblical roots feels at times like it's going to smash us down. We are a people who are not against change. We're not against things that are good or that make sense. We, we embrace technology when it's right, but we are against things that would be against God's word. And routinely, these things are out there in the public, and it just feels like a grind that everything, there's just nothing we can talk about now from our biblical, our biblical faith, and it's not going to offend somebody. It's not going to cause problems. It's not going to be an issue. It's a grind, man. It, it, it can get you down. It feels like you're going to get smashed to pieces. And these are the things that are forced upon us. What about the things that we force upon ourselves? The aftermath of words spoken. As I, as I get older... I realized that the worst place for me as a sinner is words spoken. They're so easy to say. They come out of the mouth so easily, and yet they create so much damage at times. How you speak to your spouse, how you speak to your children. Yeah. The failed promises and expectations. We put our trust in idols. You know, one idol, which is our money and our savings, it's now slipping away, right? You have, you've had that money squirreled away, and now with every inflation percentage point, it becomes worth less and less. What will happen to us if we can't afford to take care of ourselves? Our fear of what tomorrow will bring? I think constantly, this is just me as a father of young children, I, I, I'm okay with being hungry. I, I, can, I can be hungry, and it doesn't bother me too much, and, I, and I've got plenty of reserves here to fall back on. But the thought of my children being hungry uh, terrifies me. keeps me awake at night sometimes. Burdens and anxieties, the fears and tears, create an undertow. You can't believe. The suction is right down to the pit of despair and unbelief. I don't know if you caught it, but the triumphal entry in our, our gospel lesson today, you want to look back at it, your, it's the first page in your bulletin. It starts off on an interesting note. It says, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. So everyone's in town for the feast. There's a group of people, and they heard, if you were in Bible study downstairs, they heard about John 11. They heard about the 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 raising of Lazarus from the dead, right? It's, all, it's buzzing all around town, everywhere. It's in Bethany, it's in Jerusalem, it's all over the place. Everyone's talking about it. Jesus Christ rose someone who was dead in the tomb for four days, right? 
palm branches are some kind of messianic slash patriotic sign for Israel. It's as though they've come out waving flags that are kind of like a combination of a Christian, Christian flag and an American flag all in one, right? Um, the palms have everything to do with the uh, return of the messianic Davidic kingly line. And with that kingly line will also come, we're going to go back to how we used to be looked at. We're going to go back to being as strong as we were under David, as strong as we were under Solomon. So it's this kind of quasi-religious and state thing at the same time. Yeah, They go out with these palm branches, and they want to put a new king into office, Jesus. It's a wave of enthusiasm, a grassroots swell, a political tidal wave, and we know just how well uprisings can go from history. This is not, by the way, there have been plenty of people who have come along who have claimed to be the Messiah and had little people go out after them and then the Romans end up crushing these rebellions. It was a very violent time. How are these, how, we know how these uprisings end up and probably that's the fear of how this one will end up as well. A wave of enthusiasm begins here, right? They go out to Jesus and they make way to Jerusalem from Bethany, claiming and singing that he is the Messiah as they imagined him. Yeah? So Jesus is allowing this wave of enthusiasm, this parade, uh, to take him into town. And then it's going to, I mean, if you can imagine it, this, this feeling, this shouting, this joy, this train of people is going to smash into Jerusalem. And everyone there is going to be on their toes, terrified of what's going to happen next. Is Rome going to come into town and break this thing up? What's going to happen? You know? The only solution of this great wave that hits Jerusalem, the undertow on the Sanhedrin is they've got to kill Jesus. They've got to kill Lazarus. They've got to get rid of him. It's the only way. Waves come. And then if you know anything about maybe uh, your, what would be, geometry or earth science, um, maybe, I think maybe physics talks about it too, but you have a wave top point and then you have, what, a trough, right? The wave and then there's the, the trough in between. And that's where everything seems quiet and calm. Uh, Jesus does enter in and everyone braces, but it isn't the right time. It's not yet time. No, the right time for the Lamb of God to be slaughtered is not now, but it is for Passover. Jesus enters into fair fanfare, and then he, he teaches in the temple for a little while, but then he actually retreats back to Bethany, and the wave dies down. But we know from personal experience that when one wave crashes over our heads, another one is not soon far away. And I wonder if you feel that way too. This is something my wife always struggles with, is when things are good, when things are peaceful, when things are fine, then she gets nervous, right? Because the waves come. I feel it. It's out there looking for me. Well, this wave that's coming will be bigger than the last. This wave will have a crowd that is larger and much more enthusiastic, but not like Palm Sunday. Prophesy who struck you. 
We have no king but Caesar. We want Barabbas. Crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. Hail, king of the Jews. He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the son of God. The crowd that was shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, a different and more powerful crowd cries out these shouts just a little while later. We might wonder, will this wave that Jesus started today on Palm Sunday that crashes into Jerusalem, will it swallow him up whole? Will the undertow pull him down to drown forever? And if he's drowned and dies, what will happen to all of us who are pulled down by far less, far more often? My friends, Jesus has started a wave that crashes upon Jerusalem, but it crashes everywhere. His death and resurrection create solutions where there is only despair. Broken relationships, Jesus gives a reconciliation through forgiveness. The forgiveness he gives us helps us to forgive others. Broken dreams, Jesus gives new dreams of eternal life. And paradise beyond imagination. Drowning under the weight of anxiety and depression. This one's close to my heart. But Jesus gives joy and hope that someday all things will be new. You know, we live in a broken, sinful world. I don't think we can promise that you won't be depressed at times. You won't have anxiety at times. But God holds out the hope that someday you will have life eternal that is better in every way. No more tears. No more crying. No more sorrow. No more despair. All things will be new. You know, for a while, it looked as though he had drowned, was dead, lying in a tomb that had sucked him down and swallowed him forever. But it's the funniest joke on Satan of all time. Because he thinks he's swallowed up Christ, and in fact, Christ has swallowed up death forever. He wasn't there long. It was only three days, and the tomb broke open from a tidal wave of joy, for he was dead for trespass and sin, yours and mine, but now he is alive again, and if he can die and yet live, so can we. From that tomb, waves went out across the whole world, waves of forgiveness and life forever, as from his riven side, water abundant, water to drown not our hopes and dreams, but water that drowns the devil and our sinful flesh down to death. A tsunami of calculated crushing that destroys the devil and all his plans. Thanks be to God. You need not fear this water, for it will drown your old Adam, but raise you up to eternal life. Today is the first wave of an assault on the devil's stronghold. Today is the breaker that breaks upon his evil kingdom. But it won't be the last. And it certainly will not be the biggest. Our Savior has come, has entered in to save us all from sin and death. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.